0: Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Good to see you. He is risen. Indeed, it's great to see you guys. I just want to welcome you, and welcome to all of you in the family room, on the side, on video. Glad you guys are here, too. Uh, man, what a, what a glorious morning, right? Sunny, shiny. and oh, all. you guys look so beautiful. You're amazing. It's a great morning. Hey, I've got a question for you. And hey, what happens in your head and your heart, what kind of thoughts and feelings and associations do you have? that are stirred up in you when you hear certain names, you know? Like, for example, when I hear the name Rika, I think about my beautiful wife. I think about my bride. I think about, uh, you know, the mother of my children. I think about my best friend and and, and how we've just journeyed for 20 years now through the ups and downs of life. And and, uh, when I think about her and her name, I just have these powerful, uh, lovey-dovey, emotional, you know, intimate, powerful feelings when I hear the name of Rika. When I hear the name Monty, and no offense if any of you here might be happened by chance to be named Monty, when I hear Monty, I don't have those kinds of feelings. Uh, When I hear the name Monty, I think about a boy who bullied me in fifth grade, all right? And and, uh, this was Monty's, I think this was Monty's just determined focus on life, was to make my life miserable. And so every time I saw him, he'd be pushing me around, incessantly calling me four eyes. He'd sit behind me, maybe you had this guy too, he'd sit behind me and flick my ears, like, you know... I think I still have indentions in my ears from Monty, you know, and uh, that didn't feel good. My whole entire fifth grade year was like the reign of Monty in my life, you know. Uh, funny, years later, I ran into Monty in the mall, and about that time, I was six foot one, two hundred and ten pounds, pretty fit dude. Monty still looked like he was in fifth grade. <laughs> so just do the math there for a second. I just kind of towered over him. And I reached down for the deepest voice I could muster up. Hi, Monty. (laughs) My mind had all these options of what I could do in that moment. But thankfully, I loved Jesus and I didn't act upon any of them. And so uh, those are the thoughts that are stirred up when I think about Monty. What about you? What, What gets kicked up in your heart and your mind when you hear certain names? What associations or titles like mom or dad or boss What happens when you look at some of the the famous names of history, whether it's a celebrity or political leader, when you hear about names like Adolf Hitler or, or George Washington or Martin Luther King or when you think about names like Miley Cyrus or LeBron James or, you know, whatever, like what are thoughts and emotions get kicked up in you when you hear names? But more importantly, what is stirred up in you when you hear the name above every name? What is stirred up in you when the most unique, ultimate, significant powerful name in the entire history of all mankind is spoken or read to you. What happens inside your head and your heart when you hear the name Jesus Christ? Because what God has told us is the name above every name. It's the name above every name. Philippians 2 verse 9 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Now we know that Jesus Christ is the most uh, powerful, ultimate name. You know why? Because so many of us have, or maybe still do—I don't know. A lot of people use it as a profanity, like like when something bad happens, you're trying to exclaim something. Just John Smith just doesn't have the same ring, you know. We reach for the ultimate name. Why is that? Because it is the ultimate name. Because he's the ultimate person. See, in the name of Jesus Christ. That name means that we have, you and I have full access to the God who made us and loves us. That name is the doorway. That name gives us full access to God. And when you think about names of God, you think about the name Jesus Christ, it reveals his saving and his redeeming nature. The name of Jesus. And so what is stirred up in you when you hear the name of Jesus? Well, the name of Jesus Christ is a gift to humanity. His name is a gift because there are certain things that we can experience and know in and through His name that we cannot experience or know any other way. And so the name of Jesus Christ is a gift, and it's a gift that gives us more gifts. It's a gift that delivers gifts from God to us through the name of Jesus Christ. And what I want to do is I want to take you to a passage of God's word, a place in scripture that will talk about that, that reveals that, that demonstrates that, the power of the name of Jesus. And so I invite you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Hopefully all of you have a Bible. Open up to Acts chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you have a device on you. You can open up a Bible application. Uh, These verses will be on the screen. And if you're here today and you don't own a Bible, like you don't have one, we'd love to give you one. Uh, Happy Easter. It's not decorated or anything, but you can have it for free as a gift. Um, A Bible on your way out. Stop by our information center and grab one. And as we're getting ready to read Acts 3, verses 1 through 10, and as we're going to see other verses today together, I also want to invite you to do something with me this morning. Whenever we read or come across the name Jesus or Jesus Christ in Scripture, I want to invite you to say it out loud with me, all right? Everybody, you guys in the family room, uh, everybody, when you see or hear the name Jesus Christ, just say it out loud with me as we go through our passage. So Acts 3, verses 1 through 10, we're just jumping right in. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Good job. That was awesome. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate at the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. God, as we've gathered here today, God, it's resurrection weekend. And God, I pray that we would also be filled with wonder and awe at what you do in people's lives. God, of the lives that have shared through music already, the lives of many sitting in this room that have a relationship with you, the lives of the people that are gonna display their love for you through baptism. God, may you just fill us with wonder and awe Knowledge and insight. And God, as we gather around the name above all names, the name of Jesus, God, may you stir in us good things. Good things, Lord. An understanding of who you are and what you've done. So God, you have our attention right now. Be our teacher. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. amen. You know, I look, at, I look at this lame man that we, that we see here in this passage, and I think, this guy had legitimate, real needs. He had legitimate, real needs. But he actually had deeper needs than what he even was aware of. And in this moment, he had to disarm himself and lower his defenses to be able to receive gifts that were going to come to him through the name of Jesus. And so my challenge, my invitation to you this morning is as you come here, would you be willing to lower your defenses? Because all of you have needs too right now. All of you feel some sort of need or needs in your life. Maybe it's it's a need for a job, a need for health. Maybe it's a need for community. Maybe it's a need for friendship, companionship. Maybe it's a need of a reconciled relationship. Maybe it's a need for comfort as you're grieving. Whatever it is, all of us come here today feeling some sort of need. But here's the thing. Just like this man, all of us here today have deeper needs. Needs that are uh, needing to be met that are beyond even what we're aware of. Because when this lame man came this day, getting a healing wasn't even on the radar. God surprised him. And you're coming in here today, maybe there's a need that's not even on your radar, but during this time, God's going to activate the understanding of that need. Will you disarm yourself? And will you just say, God, have your way with me right now. I just want to learn about you. And see how he can reach in and touch your deeper needs. Uh, as we unpack these verses a bit, what I, what I see here is I look, at the, I look at what was done in the name of Jesus Christ. I look, at, I look at Jesus, the person and the name is this gift, and I see three gifts in this passage that, that kind of flow out of his name. And I just want to look at those together as we unpack the, these verses. The first gift, and you know, one of the greatest gifts that was experienced through the greatest name was faith. And this is really seen as you look at Peter and John. And so for the sake of some of you who may not be familiar, may not know, Peter and John were two of the 12 disciples of Jesus. They followed Jesus everywhere for three years. They they, they saw what he did. They heard what he taught. Uh, They were disciples of Christ. And so here they come. And in this moment that we just entered into, this is sometime after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And these guys are faithful followers of Christ. And what they're doing is they're going to church. They're going to the temple, they're going to the synagogue, they're they're going to worship, they're going to pray. Uh, Devout Jews would would go to the temple several times a day to pray. And this is the time, one of those times that they're supposed to go. And it's it's about the, it says about the ninth hour, which means it's about 3 p.m. Some of you are trying to go, ninth hour, 3 p.m., how does that work? The Jewish clock works different, the calendar works different. Uh, They record a day from uh, sunset to sunset, not from midnight to midnight like we do. So it starts around 6 p.m., so at 6 p.m., that's when their clock starts. So this is the ninth hour. It's 3 p.m., and they're going to church. And what I love about this moment is that Peter and John are going to church. That's their routine. They're going to church. This, this, this beggar, this lame guy, he has a routine, get taken to church to beg. And, and neither one of them know that God's about to totally rearrange their schedule. And he's going he's to have something happen that was unexpected in that moment. All of you have a schedule today, probably, You know, when you're getting up, what you're going to wear, who's coming over, what are we going to make, what's the plan today? I just again invite you, would you let God interrupt your schedule today? Would you make room for the Lord to just show up and do something that you're not expecting? Because that's exactly what he did for these guys. And when he did this, it was a demonstration of faith that came out first. I mean, Peter and John had to have faith to do what happened here. I mean, how many of us, just think about this for a second, what if we left here? How many of us would, like, let's say we're driving downtown And as we're coming up to an intersection, we see a homeless person who's uh, a crippled person holding a sign saying, you know, need help, need money. How many of us would walk, you know, stop the car, put it in park, get out, walk up to the person and go, hey, man, I don't have any money, but I'm going to heal you in Jesus' name. Get up and walk. How many of us would do that? We're like, I don't think I would have thought about that option, you know? (laughs) That one wouldn't have scrolled through my mind much. Because there's a level of faith that's going to take place. And again, you're talking about two guys. They walked with Jesus. They they ate with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They had cool campfire conversations probably. and, And they spent three years kind of in a faith boot camp learning that nothing is impossible with God. And so as they're going to church, doing their thing, They enter the situation, and God, for whatever reason, says, This is a moment. I want you to act upon this gift of faith, this gift that can only come through Jesus. And I love what Peter says. When he looks at this man, he says, I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But what I do have, I give to you. Well, what's he talking about? He's got a little box somewhere with something secret in it. Like, what does he have? What does he have, you know? What's he talking about? What's he referring to? What I do have? I, I have faith. I've got belief. I've got good news. I've got an understanding that there's a God who can transform. I'm going to give that to you right now. I'm going to download that to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Where did that come from? Where did that even thought come from? It came from Jesus Christ himself, and it's a thought. And that's so interesting. When you start to look at what happens, their faith is tested because it almost looks easy in comparison to what's about to happen, that they could look at a cripple and say, get up and walk. Because once this guy's healed, he becomes a spectacle. Man, his legs are working, They've never worked before a day in his life, and he's, he's, he's jumping around, and he's walking, and he's praising God, and everybody's going, wait a second, that's the guy that for years has been outside the temple crippled, and he's walking around, and he's praising God. What's going on? And so gathered attention. And next thing you know, Peter and John went from talking to one guy, a cripple, to all of a sudden, they have this massive group of people around them. All the people from the temple that see this guy jumping around, praising God, they're like, whoa, what happened? And he, as he's telling them, they come to Peter and John and what happened? What you don't see is Peter and John go, well, uh, we're servants of God. We walked with Jesus, and uh, we healed that guy. Yeah, How's it going? Autographs, anybody? They're not doing that. Look what they say in Acts chapter 3, verse 16. It says, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. You know what they're basically saying, the summary? It wasn't us, it was Jesus. And look, a lot of you here are followers of Christ, and God's changed your life. He's given you a new life in Christ. And as your friends and as your family notice the changes in you, I sure hope you're not saying, well, you know, I've been working hard. Well, I've been, you know, I've I've been reading my Bible, I've been studying. You know what we say? We say, you know, whatever change you see in me, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Some of you here, your family, your friends of maybe uh, someone who's brought you today and you've seen the changes in this person's life. Maybe you even kind of mocked them or challenged them or, oh, it's just a phase you're going through or what's going on in you? You know, when you look at the changes, the legitimate, authentic, genuine changes that are happening, why they're not doing drugs, why they're breaking through addictions, why they're they're not the womanizer they used to be, why they're not, you know, stealing the stuff or lying like they used to, and you go, what happened to you? You have the answer right now through Jesus Christ. And Jesus makes that same gift available to you he's holding that gift out open to you. So it was a lot of faith for Peter just to look at the cripple and say, get up and walk. It took a lot of faith to look at this giant crowd of people now that were swarmed around him and saying, hey, it wasn't us, it was Jesus, but it gets even thicker than that. Because not everybody that was hearing about this healing was a big fan. Because you've got a lot of religious people there at the temple, a lot of religious people in Jerusalem going, we're not a fan of Jesus. Remember, we killed him so we're not a fan of his followers, now we're hearing that a couple of these guys are talking about Jesus still, they're talking about his death, they're talking about his resurrection, and now we hear that some guy got healed in the name of this Jesus guy. This isn't, this isn't good. And so if you continue reading through Acts chapter three and Acts chapter four, what you see happens is all of a sudden all the religious power players of that region now are on John and Peter. You've got priests, you've got like the the version of the Jewish military police. You've got, you know, all these groups and gatherings and the high religious families basically coming to Peter and John saying, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? They arrest them, they hold them overnight. And the next day they have this massive gathering, not such a welcome gathering. They put John and Peter in the middle and they're basically grilling them. Who do you think you are? What do you think they're doing? Well, they reach down and tap into that gift of faith. Look how they respond to these people. In Acts 4.10, it says, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom, by the way, God raised from the dead, by his name, this man is standing before you well. Man, three different groups of audience. One cripple, faith, one message, in the name of Jesus. Whole group of people. Why is this guy well? In the name of Jesus. Now you've got this hostile um, adversarial crowd what's going on in the name of Jesus it all happen in the name of Jesus how could these guys do that because they had received this gift of faith through the name of Christ that now they're utilizing and they're exercising let me just encourage you for those of you in this room today that you're a follower of Christ you love Jesus you believe in Jesus you follow Jesus the only difference between you and Peter and John right here is that you live in a different time That's it. These guys lived in a different time. And their relationship with Christ empowered them to exercise this gift of faith that was through Christ. And you and I, we have that same faith available to us. And so as you're going through your life, as you're going through your job, your neighborhood, your communities, your relationships, exercise faith. I need to exercise more faith. You could probably learn to exercise more faith too, and just saying what situations are looming in your life that just look impossible that you can say, God, I don't know what the answer is going to be, but I'm just going to, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to just go into this trusting you. And so for us, there's a challenge here when we looked at this gift of faith that there's this miracles, this power, this transformation, this boldness, this courage that dwell in the name of Jesus. And as followers of Christ, we're not timid, we're not shy, we're not negligent to utilize the gift of faith that God's made available through the name and the person of Jesus Christ. So followers of Christ, let's just continue to exercise the faith. Exercise it in our prayer life. Exercise it when we're talking to people. Exercise it when you feel overwhelmed. Exercise it when you feel, um, you know, full of doubt, full of temptation. Exercise faith that God loves you, has the best for you, and will use you despite what the situations look like. So the name of Jesus, the greatest name, brought this great gift of faith to the front but that's not the only gift we see here. We see another gift that was experienced through the greatest name, and that was the gift of healing. That was the gift of healing. Here here we have this crippled man, this lame man. He was looking for a hand out. He got a leg up, you know? Literally, and and, and think about this guy for a second. And if you read Acts 4.22, as they're unpacking this whole situation, it says this man was lame from birth, right? And in Acts 4.22, it says he was over 40, so if you're about 40, raise your hand, just joking. But imagine, if you are about 40 in this room, that you've never walked a day in your life. That from birth, you've been crippled. From birth, you've been lame. You've never been able to walk, ever. And think about this moment unfolding now for a minute, okay? You have this routine, you're gonna you know, be taken to you know, the synagogue, the temple, you're gonna sit outside, and you're gonna just see what people donate to you. That, that's your routine. That's your life right now. And, and this, this, being lame was just a huge, uh, depressing scenario for people back then. Like right now, when we have difficulties walking, like I'll look around the room, I'll see crutches, we'll see wheelchairs. Some of you are doing therapy for issues with your hips, your knees, your legs, all that kind of stuff. You get in a time machine and go back and get in this guy's shoes, you're not getting therapy. You are not got a wheelchair. You might have a stick or something to hold on to, but if you got both legs out, you're not using those. You can't walk. You were completely relying on other people. Which means probably you're never gonna get a job, which means you'll probably never get married because you can't afford to provide for somebody, nor would you ever have kids because, again, you can't provide for them. You're not gonna get around much because you're kinda stuck in one spot, and anywhere you do get to go, people have to carry you, so you better be making friends. Like, what kind of life is that? And that was this man's life, born. In this condition, you and I are the same way. We've been crippled from birth. We've been lame from birth. And you're thinking, what are you talking about? We have this condition called sin. That from birth, we have the sin nature. Left to ourselves, we'll run from God, we'll rebel against God, we'll defy God. We're going to say, God, I'm going to do me, I'm going to do my life, I'm going to sit on the throne of my own life, you stay out. That's who we are in our nature. And and that we're spiritually crippled. We're spiritually lame, just like this guy. And this guy needed a healing. You and I need a healing, a spiritual healing. Well, God got this guy's attention of a spiritual healing by giving him a a physical healing. And I I love thinking about this moment in my mind, where all of a sudden you've you've got John and Peter, right? And what they're doing is they're walking up to church, you know, and they've got this other guy. He's being carried up to church. And as they're starting to meet there, the guy just does his thing. He's handing out, you know, he's sticking out his hand or a cup or a bag or whatever he's got. And he's saying, you know, alms, alms for the poor or whatever he says. You know, it's probably in Hebrew. It probably didn't sound like that. And, um, and, and sticking out asking. And all of a sudden, these guys stop. And he's thinking, ooh, this could be good. Then the two guys look at him and say, look at us. He's thinking, Oh, this could be payoff. Yeah, I'm looking at you. So he was expecting to receive something from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I don't have any silver or gold. That's like just, you can just see the guy's jaw drop like, oh, that's a bummer. This isn't going to go the way I thought, you know. And then Peter's saying, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And what would you do if you were the cripple? I'd be going, right. Peter reaches down, grabs him, Holds him up. And it says there that his ankles and his feet were strengthened. That's where the problem was. His ankles and his feet, it says they were strengthened. This man received this healing. See, he was looking at the needs he had that needed to be provided with the money. He was counting on the handoffs, the, the handouts to get by, but his deeper, truer need was being met. Again, what is your deeper, truer need that needs to be met today? What does God need to heal in your life? So we look at the situation, and we come to the terms that God is a healer. And just like he healed the weak areas in this man's legs, he can heal the weak areas of your life. Where are you weak this morning? Where are you weak? Are you weak in faith? Are you weak because of doubt? Are you weak because you're fatigued? Are you weak because you're depressed and discouraged? Like, what's weak in your life? Are you unable to forgive people who've hurt you? Is your forgiveness ability weak? Is your ability to believe weak? Is your ability to trust people weak? In the name of Jesus Christ, through the person and the power and the name of Jesus Christ, whatever is weak in your life can be healed, it can be strengthened. You, God can restore your ability to trust, He can restore your ability to believe, He can restore, restore your ability to forgive. Some of you sitting here have forgiven people that have done hideous things to you. You know why? Because it really wasn't you that forgave them. It was tapping into Christ, and Christ forgave them through you, and you just are along for the ride. In Christ, whatever's weak in, in, in me, whatever's weak in you, can be strengthened in Christ, but not in any other way. It's a healing. This is a healing work of God. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking God doesn't heal. And you're thinking that because you've asked him. You've asked him to heal a sick loved one, and they didn't get healed. You've asked him to bring back a child who's run from you and run from God, and they haven't come back yet. You've asked and begged and pleaded in a hospital bed next to someone that doesn't look like they're gonna make it, that didn't make it. And you hear other people talking about praying and trusting God, because God's gonna do something, and it didn't turn out the way you wanted it, the way you were hoping for, and you just said, God doesn't heal. We need, to, we need to just fix ourselves for a second. Let me just encourage you, God does heal. God still heals. God can still heal broken bodies. God can still heal broken hearts. Some of you are sitting with a broken heart. God can heal your broken heart. Some of you have broken homes. He can heal it. Some of you have broken minds. He can heal it. Some of you have broken relationships. God can heal it. There is nothing that you and I can experience that God can't heal. God can heal. He just doesn't always heal. God heals. He just doesn't always heal. God can do miracles. He's just not always going to do a miracle. And so we have to understand, we can ask God to heal. We don't command him to heal. We can trust and believe God for a healing, but we don't require it of God. God, I will not believe in you unless you do this. That's called an ultimatum. Really? The creation, the creature looks at the creator and says, you better or else? Like seriously, who do you think you are? I mean, if if one of my children came up to me and said, Dad, you better clean the garage or else, I'd be like, oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) We're going to have a little uh, who do you think you are talk in that moment, right? We get that in our human relationships, but we chuck that out with our divine relationship. And we look at God and we say, you better, and he's going, who do you think you are? His ways are higher. His ways are greater. Our responsibility is just to trust to surrender trust. God can heal. Hey look, we think about Jesus. Jesus' main mission, when Jesus came, his main mission wasn't to heal. He said he came to seek and save the lost. He came to rescue spiritually lost people. That was number one priority. And part of his strategy is he did do healings. He He didn't always do healings. Jesus didn't heal everybody. Not every godly person in scripture that asked for healing got it. So here's the reality. The the whole point of healing, the number one uh, goal of healing is God's glory. That God is amazing. And if a healing of our body will give God glory, he'll do it. And if allowing our body not to heal and us to grow and to struggle through suffering will give him glory, he'll let that stay. Because the reality is sometimes the healing of the body isn't going to be what glorifies God in our life. It's going to be the suffering that's going to glorify God. Some of you know that. Some of you have struggled with things in your life and God's glorified himself. He's shown himself off in you and through you because he's left you to struggle. We just gotta trust God. He still heals. I mean, think about this guy that was lame. Just because he got healed doesn't mean his life got all better because there's accountability with healing. He got healed. Now it's like, oh wait, I gotta get a job. (laughs) Now he's gotta go to work because he can work now. Maybe he's going to get married. Maybe he's going to have kids. Now he's going to provide for them. His struggles aren't over because he got healed. He's a fallen man in a fallen world. He's still going to struggle. It's just going to look different now. So you and I are going to struggle because we're fallen people in a fallen world, and no matter what God heals, there's always going to be a struggle of some sort. We can't fall into that twisted thinking that by letting God into our life, it means smooth sailing. No, it just means that you're not in the boat alone. <laughs> and someone else is driving it, and you're along for the ride. Just trust. So if you're here today, and you're hearing about this healing, this gift of healing that God was giving, and you're, you're stuck thinking, God doesn't heal. No, don't be misled. God does heal. He just doesn't always heal. Because sometimes the journey of struggling will do a greater work on our life. Here's, here's the thing. You and I need to not be preoccupied with physical healing. You and I need to be more preoccupied about spiritual healing. Spiritual healing. Because in the name of Jesus, we can get the gift of faith, we can get the gift of healing, but more importantly, we get the gift of salvation. Salvation, what do I need to be saved from? You know what, you and I need to be saved from ourselves. The sin. Some of you right now, as I'm talking, there's just this resistance and defiance in you, internally, your arms are crossed and you're going, no, you know what that is? That's pride, that's pride. What's the middle letter in the word pride? I. What's the middle letter in the word sin? I, who's the problem? I am. We need salvation, we need God to save us. The, 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 The results of us running from God is eternity apart from God. That's the result, that's the outcome. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came and died on the cross so all that pride, all that sin, all that stuff can be nailed on the cross. Taken to the grave. And with the resurrection that we celebrate today is God's exclamation point to say, I'm offering you forgiveness. I'm offering you salvation. I'm offering you spiritual healing. Spiritual healing. You know, it's interesting. You look at this whole scenario unfold, and this man gets healed. And the temple, he wasn't able to go in before. Now he's able to go into the temple. And he's worshiping God. This is worshiping God. This wasn't just a physical phenomenon for this man. His heart was set free. There was a repair of His soul. And there was a spiritual healing too. Some of you are sitting here, your body doesn't need to be healed. Your body is perfectly fine. In fact, you might be in the best shape of your life, but what's the condition of your soul? Because your body can be perfect and your soul can still be lost. You need to be sitting here preoccupied with your spiritual healing. Because in the name of Jesus Christ, you can have spiritual healing. You can have forgiveness of every sin ever done, ever will be done. Through the death, resurrection, through the name of Jesus Christ. You know, in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness because by his wounds you've been healed. By the wounds of Christ we've been healed. He's not talking about a physical healing. He's talking about a spiritual healing. That's how we can live new in Christ, by the spiritual healing that he provides. You know, we look at this incident we go, there's this one guy that got healed, this one guy that was dancing around and it left this opportunity for John and, and, and Peter to preach this message to thousands, thousands. In fact, when you look at Acts 4, verse 4, it says, but many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. See, God's always up to something. He did one thing here that opened up the door to thousands to hear about the message of forgiveness of sins. He knew it the whole time. What do we rejoice more over? The physical healing of one man or the spiritual healing of thousands? I'm gonna tell you right now, every time a person in this congregation comes up to us and says, I don't know Christ. I've been lost. I've been distant from God. But today, I want Christ my life. You know what? That's a celebration. That's a party. And it happens. And there's just something about a spiritually broken, spiritually lost person being reunited with the God who made them and loves them. The spiritual healing is what we seek. See, some of you are sitting here and you're faithful, and this is just a good reminder. Some of you, you haven't stepped foot in church in years. You're what we would call a prodigal. You've, you've ran from God. You, you understand God, you have Christ, but you're just not walking with him right now. Some of you are sitting here and, and you're not in relationship with God at all. And what what you're doing if you're in a prodigal condition or if you're in what we would call a lost condition is you're begging at the doorway of the world for their alms. What can you give me to meet my deepest, truest needs? And the world's saying, "Let's give you money. Let's give you position. Let's give you fame. Let's give you a bigger house. Let's give you a boyfriend. Let's give you a girlfriend. Let's give you a husband. Let's give you wife. Let's give you kids. Let's give you this position. Let's give you this. Let's give you this addiction. Want you party? Want you do this? Want you do this? Want you do this? Want you do this? And they wrap their presents. They look so gorgeous. And when you open them, they're just empty. It's like popping a soda can and getting sand. You've been begging at the alms of the world and realize it's not meeting your deepest needs. The only one who's gonna meet your deepest needs is Jesus Christ. the One who loves you, died for you, and rose for you. The greatest name. Offering you the greatest gifts and one of them being salvation. You know, we're gonna have an exciting moment right now. We have 11 people getting baptized this weekend. 11 people that said, man, I'm living new in Christ. In the name of Jesus, I've received the greatest gifts, salvation, healing, and different aspects of my life. And God's done a great thing in me, and I just just want to go public with my love for Jesus, my commitment to Jesus, I'm going to be baptized. It's a a physical representation, it's a physical expression of everything we're talking about today. And as we're being baptized, I just want you guys to be thinking about, where are you with the Lord? Believers, how are you exercising your faith? Those of you that have drifted, what's it gonna take for you to come back? Are you gonna let God interrupt you? Are you gonna lower your defenses? For some of you here that have never entered into a relationship with God, are you gonna meet and connect with this God who loves you and died for you and rose for you today? Will you let him interrupt your plan? Hey, the ham can wait. The Easter eggs can wait if God wants to connect with you. And so please, just be thinking about that and praying about that as we get ready to celebrate what God has done in the people's lives that we're about to see. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the message of new life. Thank you for the message of salvation. Thank you for the message of healing. Thank you for the message of faith. These are all gifts that you've given us. Gifts, great gifts from the greatest name. And God, I pray right now for everyone in this room that as we're getting ready just to share and celebrate a couple lives that have been transformed and changed by Jesus, God, that all of us would evaluate our relationship with you right here, right now. God, lower our defenses. God, speak to us. Lord, would you reconcile the lost to you? Would you restore the broken? Would you give eternal life and new life to those who've never had it before? You have our attention speak to us move in us we ask all of us said together